The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, it's good to see you guys. Um, I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here. Welcome. Glad you're here. If you wouldn't mind filling out one of those Connect cards like my amazing, wonderful wife uh, pointed out who's taking a picture of me, flashing, wait, this is my best side. Or do you want this side? You're crazy, honey. You're crazy, honey. So anyway, yeah, we're just a little bit crazy around here. So if you wouldn't mind filling out that card and put that in the giving station on your way out, we don't pass a plate um, the way we set up giving. From the time we launched the church, we believe in the faithfulness of God. And I love that theme this morning in worship, that God is faithful. His word is faithful and he never fails. And we trust God with everything. And so we don't put a plate in front of people at the church. We have a giving station and, and that giving is an act of worship. And you can do that in private and, and handle that there. I do wanna say, you saw in the video, baptism. And if you've never been baptized and you've made a profession of faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the next step of obedience is baptism. And so I encourage you to take that step. You can sign up. There is a class this afternoon uh, after the third service. Is it after the third service or during the third service? During the third service. Look at that. We take care of you while you're at church. Um, so uh, there's a class during the third service that we will help you understand what it is. And, and, and really, it's not so much of how to do it. It's just like hold your nose, hold your breath, and you're going underwater and coming up. We want you to understand the spiritual significance of what that decision means. And so you can get that taken care of. Um, we started the fast on what? Oh, it's after church, but you can get taken care of at church if you want to come to the third service, which is the journey track. Brownie points for mentioning that for my wife. So are we done with the interruptions now? Okay. okay. Baby, I got to work, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Wife calls you while you're working. I just can't take a phone call right now. So, and I turned off the Wi-Fi or the, the it's on airplane mode because otherwise she'd be texting me and be popping up. She's like, don't forget to say this. Don't forget to, like, I got it, honey. So... She doesn't do that. I do have to share a funny story. A couple weeks ago, uh, you know how the new eye equipment, the eye vortex of things that suck you in, um, has that thing called Hey Siri? Um, well, it was enabled on my iPad. And I was making a joke about directions or something a couple weeks ago. And, I, and I'm just like, Hey Siri. And my iPad changes and she's listening to me and she's trying to repeat back what I'm saying and she's not getting it right. But I'm just, so I'm preaching, I'm freaking out. I'm like, how do I turn this off? I, I mean, everything's just going crazy. So I'm like tapping things and bells are going off and everything. So I turned Siri off too. So I can't hear my wife or Siri right now. It's just the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's just what's happening right now. So uh, how many, I, I, we started our fast on Monday and let me, let me just ask you, how many are fasting for the first time? This is your first time ever fasting. Man, praise God. Thank you you guys, man. That's awesome. So I, uh, I, I normally start the fast where the first day I'm just grumpy. But man, this time has been different. And God has just been opening up a lot of revelation and confirmation. It's just been an incredible week. Um, I'm not looking forward to the fast for week two, but I'm looking forward to what I'm going to hear from God. And I love that we can do that. We fasted in the fall during our, our One Church series, and we just gave an update on, on that whole process. And we fasted. And the purpose in fasting in that was to hear God and then be obedient. And, and there's, there's a thing that we've got to understand about God's word, that he's speaking to us constantly, and we hear it, and then we walk 
in obedience. And, and a couple of things that we've got to walk in obedience this year is really expanding ministry. Last week, I announced that uh, Pastor Trinity and Cindy are launching a church in Cleburne, and so we are, we're standing with them. We're supporting them financially. We're, we're getting behind this because here's what I know is going to happen. In Cleburne, Texas, that lives are going to be saved because the gospel that Trinity preaches, because he's going into that city with an authority, and he's going into that city with a word, and that's the best word that the world will ever hear, and I know people are going to get saved. And I know God is going to be glorified. So that's, that's one of those things where should we pray about it? No. We should just do it. We should get behind it. So we're doing that. And then we're expanding ministry here. So uh, we've been growing. Last week was the largest non-holiday attendance we've ever had. It was crazy. You guys are fortunate you're at the 830 service. Because what I've got to start doing today is begging people to come to the 830 service. 10 o'clock, out of room. 1130, we were out of room. And so um, I know you like that extra seat beside of you, but... <laughs> You're going to meet some new people in the next couple of weeks. If you're like, are you visiting the creek? No, I'm the 10, 10 o'clock guy. I'm, a nine, I'm an 1130 guy. Um, so we had the largest weekend we've ever had outside of holidays. Christmas Eve, all those services, we had over 1,000 people come to church on Christmas Eve that we got to minister to. Man, isn't that incredible? Um, God is doing something in our community, and I love that we can get behind that. So this year, um, we're looking, and we're in the planning phase and all the schematic drawings about expanding ministry here, and so all of that is happening, and that doesn't happen without faithfulness, and God's faithfulness in his call and our faithfulness to pursue him. And then God calls us to walk in unity. One of the verses uh, that we used was Paul saying, one mind, man, we do this together, we, you and I are created to walk in unity. And I love that about the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, that, that every one of us are different and unique, and we can have this unity through this diversity in the body. And there's something incredible that happens. Psalm 133 talks about when the brothers and sisters walk in unity, God commands a blessing. And I want to walk in the blessing of God. I want to stay faithful in that. And, and as the creek is growing, man, there's, it, it can get a little harder to connect with people. And, and what I've learned is I get to know people when I serve with people. Like if we serve at Agape, we're going to know each other. If we serve somewhere, um, that's, you know, people say, well, how do I get to know you, Matt? Man, the best way that I get to know people in, in the church that I get to pastor and attend is to serve with you. And I love that. Or be in community with you. And so community and groups and serving are the two best ways to connect and build relationships. And I've always said this in the past that you need community. And God challenged me with something this week when I was praying about, you know, getting involved in community and our church kind of moving and growing closer together. And here's what God said. It's not just that you need community and I need community. The community needs you because you have stories. God has brought you through incredible things and God wants to use those stories and that past to help other people. And that's happening every weekend at the creek. It's been amazing. Um, in the fall, I had someone share their testimony. We, we were doing the video testimonies, and they, she emailed and said, I feel comfortable and I feel safe to share my testimony. And she's got a, a difficult past. And she said, but I know God's brought me through this for a purpose. Two weeks ago, she stepped right into that purpose because we had someone show up at the creek and said, this is my story. And I was like, can you wait here just a second? And I went and got that other lady that said, remember when you told me your testimony and you said, God's gonna use it? It's gonna happen right now. 
And she's like, really, what? And so I connected them, and it's just incredible because it's not just that I need community. Community needs me. And you, don't just, you just don't need community. Community needs you because God designed us to walk together and minister, and that's how the body is designed. And so I, I, I just really want... I mean, I, I just want to kind of get honest. I feel like God's given me a good word to give you today, and I'm excited about it, and it's kind of a challenge, but it's don't be stingy. Don't be stingy with your community. Don't be stingy with your time. Don't be stingy with your money. Don't be stingy with your relationships. And I know what everybody is thinking, maybe not everybody, but here's the thing. Most people are like, oh, great, this is a message on generosity. Here we go with another money talk. This is not just about money. This is about everything that we are. That as, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we are not called to be stingy. We are called into a generous life. And that's with our time and our, our talents, our resources. I almost said treasures, but that would have been the pastoral thing to do, right? That would have been like time, talents, treasure. And, and that would have been just excellent. I need an organ behind me just hitting on that. But um, uh, that was anointed spiritual right there. But it, it's everything. And so as we follow Jesus, we want to live as his disciples. And as his disciples, he says, you're going to do what I do. And he is the epitome of generosity. And he is the epitome of a giving and faithful God. And so I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to go through. So if you got your Bible, go to 2 Kings chapter 4. That's in the Old Testament. It's right, if you're lost, it's right after 1 Kings. Um, if you're really lost, there's a table of contents, which I think is a very holy page in our Bible. It's a table of contents that tells you what page it's on. Or if you're in the eye vortex, you can find it on you version. I don't know where that came from, the eye vortex, but I think it's pretty cool. And I think that'll stick in the next service. So I'll just make a note of that. I can't say, hey, Siri, make a note of that because she won't get it. Second Kings chapter four. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest hindrances that I think in our life of, of really just wholeheartedly pursuing Jesus and living the life that he's called us to live is, is how we treat um, our resources. And when I say resources, yes, those resources include finances. Um, those resources include our time. Those resources include all of the extraneous things that God blesses us with. And how we use those and how we leverage those in the kingdom is a, it can be a real hindrance in our walk with God. And, and I want to look at a story um, that we see uh, a woman really kind of getting into this cycle of generosity. And, and to, to, to kind of set this up, I mean, Jesus gives us a warning against stinginess in, in Luke chapter 12. And one of the things we're going to do, uh, we're in this series called Discipled Life, but one thing that we really like to do around here is teach verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And we've been out of that for a little while. And so our next book is going to be Luke. And so um, I'm not going to preach this passage, uh, but I want to kind of front this because Jesus is setting it up for me to go uh, preach to you about the Shunammite woman. But Jesus tells a story. Um, it's a parable about a man who was rich and he produced plentifully. So, so he had an abundance. He had excess. And he thought to himself, you know what I'm going to do? I don't have anywhere to store all of my stuff, all of my crops. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to tear down this barn and I'm going to build a larger one. And that way I can store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I'm going to say, man, I have made it. I have done well. I can live in luxury. I can relax and I can just, I've built my comfort around me. And then Jesus is like, you fool. 
This very night, your soul is going to be demanded of you. And so who's going to get all the stuff that you've hoarded? And he's like, this is the way it is. If, if we're stingy and not rich towards God, I'm, I'm kind of giving you some, some, some uh, my translation in this. And so don't be stingy. There's a cycle of generosity that we are called to. So, so let's look at this. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 8. This is the Shunammite woman. I'm going to read some, and then we're going we're to kind of talk about this, this situation a little bit. 2 Kings chapter 4. One day, Elisha, who's Elisha? Elisha proceeded, um, or proceeded, he came after, we'll say it that way, came after Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God. Elijah, when his time was up, God says, you're going you're gonna to show, I'm going to show you who is going to take your place. See, that's the beautiful thing about God. He always has people that he's, he's raising up. I mean, that, that, who are you raising up? I mean, that's a beautiful thing in community. God always has people he's raising up. And so Elisha is a prophet. He speaks on behalf of God, and, and he represents the presence of God for Israel. And, and so he has authority. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem. That's one of the towns where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And, he said, and she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes, he can go in there. And so one of the things in this cycle of generosity is, is you've got the situation that she's, she's noticing things. She's like, this guy comes through here. He's a man of God. And he speaks with authority and, and you know, I'm going to feed him. And so she's feeding him. And then all of a sudden, one night, it's one of those things where it's scary when you're laying in bed and you hear this, hey, honey, are you awake? He's like, yes. She's like, I've been thinking about that man of God. And I think what we should do is I think we should build an extra room on our house. That way he has somewhere to stay as he's passing through. And so what this woman is doing, in this, it, when we think about this in the cycle of our generosity or our cycle of stinginess. She's recognizing an opportunity. So she's seeing that there's a need and she can do something to be involved in this. And so she sees, I mean, the, the scripture says she's wealthy. Now, it didn't say that, that she said, I think we should give this man of God a lot of money. She said, I think we should engage with what we have and what God has blessed us to meet a need. And so she starts feeding him. And then she says, let's build him a room. And so that's, that's what we see happening going on, that she was recognizing that this man was involved with God. And so she wanted to be involved. I mean, it's kind of like you see where God is working and then get involved with what God is doing. I hear a lot of people that really wrestle with, what is my ministry? What is my purpose? I mean, what, do I, what is my contribution to the kingdom? And, and I believe that this year, this is one of the things I'm praying for and expecting for is that God is going to release a lot of ministry in our church, that God has given you ministry. God has given you a past. He's given you a testimony. He's given you a story, and he's brought you through some things. And I believe that this year, God's going to raise up people in our church that are going to engage in ministries that we've never even seen before. 
that we never even heard before. And what happens in that is that people see, what is God doing in my community? What is God doing in my life? And how do I get involved with that? How do I get on board with that? What, I, what I've come to see in, 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 in ministry and in church and in life and in raising disciples and trying to be a disciple is that most people are very good at recognizing opportunity. But most people don't want to engage with that opportunity. How, how do I know that? I mean, I'll just, I'll just get honest with you. I get emails and calls and, and meetings, and it's like, hey, God gave me this great ministry. I mean, they're just kind of pouring out. God gave me this great ministry, Matt. And, and man, I'm just, it's exciting me. It's keeping me up at night. And I believe that people are going to get saved through this. And I believe people are going to get set free through this. And this is what God's given me. Do something with it, Matt. Now, let me, let me tell you where my attitude, and this just comes from Ephesians 4. My job is to lead you, feed you, and equip you for the ministry. I'm going to say, God gave it to you. You do it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make sure we've got good structure around it. I'm going to make sure that we can, we can get the word out. I can make, I'm going to do what I can to make sure it's resourced. But God's called you to do it. You recognize the opportunity. Engage in that opportunity. And this is what this woman did. She's like, there's an opportunity for me to do something, for me to bless God and be involved with what God is doing in our community. And so I'm going to get on board with it. So then what happens is uh, she does. And then so she's got a place for Elisha to stay. And so Elisha's kind of, he's, he's got, it's like the Motel 6 and the Denny's, man. Actually, it'd be La Quinta and Denny's, right? Because they're always next door to each other. There must be some strategic marketing involved with that. So he's got a place to eat, a place to stay as he's traveling through. And so then what happens is God's getting ready to do something. So verse 11, one day he came, Elisha came, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite, this is the woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him. So Elisha's talking to his servant, and he says, Say to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander? Because Elisha had the ear of the kings and the commanders. She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered. He said, so Elisha's like, what, what can I do for you? And his servant says this, well, she has no son and her husband is old. That's kind of a theme in the Old Testament, isn't it? We're talking about Abraham a couple of weeks ago. And he said to her, so Elisha said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son. About that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father, among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. So he got a headache. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And that, that's just, that's where we get it, ladies. <laughs> your son's sick. What do I do? Take him to mom. You know, that's just, ask your mother. That's just beautiful. That's because you have the wisdom. It's because you have the, you know what to do. You're welcome. And we, when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him 
and went out. See, this woman had recognized an opportunity to bless God, to bless, to get involved with the kingdom of God. And, and, and then there was a, a blessing that came from this, that Elisha said, you're gonna have a son. And, and what happened is this, this woman had wanted a son. This, you know, and the, 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 the physical circumstances were impossible for her to have a son. And a miracle of God happens and she embraces what she had wanted most in her life. Everything that she'd wanted, she's got her hands on now. I mean, I can't imagine her sitting in that chair and, and holding this child as he's sick. And, and some scholars believe it was heat exhaustion. We don't know what happened, but we know that about noon, the child died. And everything that she had longed to wrap her hands around is dead. And she lays him on the bed that she had put in the room that her husband built for Elisha, and she let him go. She released her hold. And that's one of the parts of the cycle of this, that as we recognize opportunities, we've got to release our hold. We've got to let go. I mean, you've heard this statement, let go and let God. I mean, she, she laid him on the bed. But see, some of you might think, I could never let go. But she understood who she could hold on to because it doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. Verse 27 20, 22 through 26 is about her getting ready. You know, it takes that many verses for a lady to get ready. Um, men, it'd be like the next verse, and he left. But, you know, you can read that on your own time. Verse 27. And when she came to the mountain, when she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But Elisha, the man of God, said, leave her alone, for she's in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I ask you for this? Did I not say, don't deceive me? And the situation is getting heavy. And then Elisha says to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said this, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. What she did, she released her hold on, on what had been given to her and she wrapped her hands around the man of God. She said, I have to let go of that so I can hold on to you. Too many times in life, we, we recognize the blessings of God and we, we wrap our hands so tightly around them that we can't let go of those to hold on the one who, who gave them to us. I mean, we, we think that we've worked hard and, and God gives us an ability to work. He gives us an intellect. He gives us all of the resources to be able to go out and be successful. He gives us what we need. And a lot of times we'll say, look at this empire I've built. Remember the rich fool? Look at all this grain I've got. And you may not be a farmer, but you may look at your grain and your grain may be your collection of stuff. It might be your 401k. It might be all of the success that you think you've amassed and you're like, I need something bigger to contain all of this because this is for me. And God says, you very fool, this night this, your life is gonna be demanded of you. Release your hold on what I've blessed you with so you can hold on to me. This woman said, look, I, I had to release my child so that I could hold on to your presence so that I could get to the, to the man of God, so I could get to the giver of that blessing, so I could get to the one that I know life comes from. 
Too many times we're holding on to blessings that are no longer blessings. They become curses. They become things that weigh us down and begin to slow us in our progress. And ultimately in our life of following Jesus, they draw us off track because we're too busy holding on to those things and thinking that's where our security is. That's where my hope is. That's where my life is. That's where my joy is. That's where my peace is. That, I could go on and on. And if we would just let those go, release your hold on that. We cannot receive from God with clenched fists. So we have to wrap our hands around those. And then it goes on. So verse 32. When Elisha came to the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him. And the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite, call this woman. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son. We can't miss this. I mean, what a beautiful picture of Christ as Elijah, Elisha is spread out on this boy, hand to hand, face to face. He is laying on him. That, that our Savior, to give us life, meets us face to face, hand to hand, and begins to bring life into us. And after Elisha resurrects this boy, the power of God through Elisha brought resurrection to this little child. And then Elisha says, pick up your son. You released your hold on him, and now you can receive your blessing. But this woman said, no, I'm going to go to the presence of God first. She grabbed his feet. That's a, that's a, a stature and a posture of worship. And she says, before I pick up the blessing, I'm going to hold the blesser. Before I wrap my arms around that, and I love, and I'm going to cherish, but I'm going to wrap my arms around you, God. I mean, we, we, we have a, a hard time in church. Some of, us, some of us have baggage in our past because we, we've, we've seen abuses in generosity, and we've seen scripture abused. And so when I say receiving your blessing, there's a lot of us who don't feel worthy, that, that maybe we've experienced something in our past that we say, God, I'm not, I'm not worthy to get anything from you. Or, or maybe you grew up in a situation where it's like, you need to receive your blessing, that God owes you something, that God is, is bound to give to you. And, and, and when you give, God's gonna give back to you. Yes, that's a spiritual principle, but maybe you've got some abuse in your past around that. And this idea of receiving your blessing, it's either you, you have too much brokenness to receive it or you've experienced too much pride in the past to, to, get, to get over this. And here's what I know about the creek. Many of you have baggage from church. And what I hope to do is to preach the truth of God's word, that when we release our hold on it, that's when God says, now I can bless you. 
and God does bless his kids. When we recognize the source of our time, see, we we say, God, can you bless me with more time? And sometimes that blessing is God giving you wisdom to better manage your time. God, can you, can you help my finances? God, it's tight. You see how things are. And I'm asking you, God, to give me more resources. Open up the floodgates of heaven and pour more resources into our life and our family and our marriage and our home. And God may bless you when you, re- when you release your hold on that. The blessing may be wisdom to better manage and be a better steward of what God has already given you. And we've got to understand this, that when when she let go of the child, when she released her hold, that's when resurrection came. Had she sat in the room that she built for Elisha to be a blessing to the man of God and held her son and just said, God, why did you give me this son and why did you take this son from me? If she would have stayed there mourning and never released her hold, she would have never received the blessing of the resurrection. There's too many things that we hold on to. And I I believe this, that the best thing that we can receive, the best blessing that we will ever receive in our life is resurrection. That when Jesus stands face to face with us and breathes that life into our spirit. When we, when we release the hold on ourselves, when we release our hold on, on our sin, when we release, when we recognize those opportunities. You, you hear, see this cycle? Recognize, release, receive. Recognize, release, receive. Recognize, release, receive. Or you can get in the middle of a cycle. You can release, receive, and then recognize. It's, it's a cycle, and we've got to get in it. What I love about it, see, some, some, sometimes we think the story just ends there. Like, he raised the child from the dead and they lived happily ever after. And the next day he was back out in the field and dad said, where were you, boy? <laughs> but it doesn't end there. See, this woman knows the cycle. Recognize, release, receive. Turn over to chapter eight. First Kings, 2 Kings chapter eight. This is sometime later. Here's what happens. Now, Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can for the Lord is called a famine and it will come upon the land for seven years. Okay, so Elisha says, this is what's coming. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So what happens is she recognizes that opportunity. Okay, my opportunity here is going to be to starve. So I've got to recognize the opportunity that this man of God is putting in front of me. She had to release the hold on her house, on her land, and leave. They left and were gone seven years. Remember the cycle, recognize, release, receive. At the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and land. So what what happened is in that seven years, her land was taken over. And the king who controlled the lands had taken over that land. And she went to ask him for the land back. And this is just the beauty of the timing and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Now, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And he says, 
tell me all the great things Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gazi said, my Lord, O king, here is the woman and here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Now, let me, let me just play that situation out. So the king is saying, hey, I, I, I'm having trouble thinking. I just, I mean, tell me some stories. Gehazi, tell me some stories of Elisha. And Gehazi starts, oh, king, man, there's one time. You ain't gonna believe this. This woman built Elisha a room. So as he traveled, he'd have a place to stay. And she fed him. And, and, and he wanted to bless her. And God, God blessed her with a son. Her husband was old. Wasn't gonna happen. And he blessed her with a son. And the king's probably like, oh, that's a good story. Cool. God blessed him with a child. Oh, no, no, king. That child died. I wanted a happy story. This is not a happy story, Gazi. No, no, the child died. And that woman, she came to Elisha. She went to God. And Elisha went, and he raised this child to life. And the king's like, say what? No, king, I'm serious. I'm telling you. Man, cross my heart. You know, all that, you know, believe me. I'm telling the truth. Man, that's an incredible story. And all of a sudden, Gehazi's like, the king, if you don't believe me, there she is. That's the woman. I know that's the woman. That's the son. Yeah, that's the son. Man, that's weird. Okay, let, come, come, come tell the king what happened. So, so then she comes up to the king, and the king asked the woman, what happened? So the woman told him. Man, I just saw this man of God. I thought he might be hungry. So I fed him. Man, I, I saw that he travels a lot, so I thought he might need a place to stay, so we built a room. And he said, God, want to bless me with a son. And I had a son. And the son died. But I recognized who gave me that son, and I, I, I laid my son on his bed, and I went to the man of God, and he came, and he raised my son to life. And he's here with me now. And what happened after that, O king, is Elisha told us of the famine. And I took my family to a place that we could have the resource. And now we're home. And, and I'm asking you, king, for my land back. And this is what the king did. He says, woman, I'm going to give you an official. He appointed an official for that woman. And he says to the official, you go and you restore this woman's land. You give her back all of her property. And then all of the crops that have been produced from seven years ago to now, you will restore to her. There's the cycle again. Recognize, release, and receive. She was blessed. And she didn't go to the king saying, hey, You've had my land for seven years and I want my crops back with interest. She went back to the king and humbled herself and said, can I please have the house back that I lived in with my family and that I built the room for this man of God? Can I please have that back, king? And he restored everything. See, when we're stingy, we're not gonna see resurrection. When we're stingy, we're not gonna see restoration. And some of you need resurrection this morning.
Some of you need to release your hold on your life. God is showing you those opportunities. You recognize the opportunity to hold on to the Son of God, Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, who died for our sins, who longs to give us resurrected life. That power that pulled him from the tomb in his resurrection, he longs to breathe that and pour that into you. And that's the best thing you could ever receive in all of eternity. Some of you may have received that resurrection, but, but you need to let go of the things that are dying. You need to let go of the things that are dead and you're just still dragging them around in your life. And you gotta re- recognize that I'm dragging some things that are dead and they're bringing me down. And you gotta release your hold on those. And you say, God, I'm gonna let go of that. I'm gonna hold on to you and I'm gonna receive from you, God. My hands are no longer clenched around what you've given me or even what I've held on to myself, but I'm opening my hands to you, my Father, who give every good gift, who is perfect and longs to bless his children. And God, I'm ready to receive from you. And maybe the blessing that you can receive this morning is that restoral. And God's putting you into a process. Man, it it took seven years for this process to go. I don't know where you're at in that cycle, but I do know this, that God is faithful and that he will bless us. And when he calls us, he's going to do everything to take care of it. And so we just hold on to this. I mean, we've got to get into this cycle of generosity. That's the discipled life. That's what Jesus calls us into. Go back. I challenge you. Read the Gospels, and you'll see this in Jesus over and over. He recognizes opportunities. He releases the power of God, and then he receives more from God. Even the apostles did it. Peter, he was jacked up, man. But after God restored him in Acts, Peter's walking down the road and they're going to the temple and he sees a beggar at the gate and he says, can I have some silver or gold? I need some money. And Peter says, I don't have money. I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I'm gonna give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. The man gets up. Peter's given what he doesn't even have. It's not even his. He's like, look, my God supplies all of my needs. He's got all the resources and he's given me the faith in this moment to say to you, you don't need silver, you don't need gold, you need to walk. And so God calls us to get into this process. There are people in your life that need to see this process at work. You need to see this process at work. Jesus constantly recognized it. Let me ask you this. Have you recognized your sin and have you released your hold on your life so that you can receive new life through Christ? Because if you're holding on to your life, you're holding on to death. And it's time to release it. It's time to let go and let God. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for the story of this this woman. We, We don't even know her name, God, but you do. And we thank you that you worked in her and that you worked through her. And God, you change lives when you work in and you work through. And so we we come to you this morning and we, we humble ourselves before you and we open our hands to you, God. We open our hearts to you. We open our minds. And God, I pray that, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand the opportunities that you are putting before us. God, I pray for the courage. So many times we just lack the courage to let go of the things in our life and trust you fully with them. 
God, as your, as your kids, we, we don't come to you saying, you need to bless me. We're humbling ourselves and we're saying, thank you, Father, for blessing me. the blessing that you need this morning is resurrection, then I, I pray that, that in the quietness of your moment that you, you recognize this. You recognize that you need grace. And you recognize that you're not good enough to get there. And that you release all of that. Release all of yourself to God. And in the quietness of your moment, you can say, God, here, I'm just giving you all of this. I'm recognizing an opportunity this morning to give all of me to you. And so I'm, I'm here with open hands saying, here, take my life. And let it be for your glory. I want to receive your life. I receive your grace. I receive your love and I receive your mercy. The Bible tells us that that is our salvation. That Jesus is the only one who can save us and give us that life. If that's you, I want you to speak with one of our prayer workers. or Put it on the card because we want to help you and walk with you in what this life is. Father, for those in this room that need a restoral, God, I pray that you do it in your timing. You do it in your wisdom. God, we know that you're faithful. And I pray you continue to move us in this cycle. That we continue to recognize, release, and receive all for the glory of God and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.